Is running a high impact exercise? Is repetitive low impact worse than short-term high impact? Do we need all these gadgets to track our gait, times, and cadence? What does sports science say about how a novice processes movement versus an expert? We talk about all this and much more in the upcoming episode. Welcome to Truly Fit. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast, where we interview experts in fitness and health to expand our wisdom and wealth. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. On today's episode, I speak with Owen Everard, but before I get to that, quick housekeeping. We are on YouTube, Truly Fit app. You can watch us, both the Monday episodes and the Thursday episodes. The interview episodes and the solo episodes are now both on YouTube. Go like and subscribe. Owen Everard is an Irish physical therapist. He really specializes in running and helping runners, and he uses Pilates to do that. He has a lot of accolades in the running world. He's a sub-four-minute miler, a sub-14-minute 5K, a sub-30-minute 10K, all extremely impressive numbers. The beginning part of our conversation surrounds running. Is it a high-impact exercise? Is it good for you? What do you do with people who are struggle to running? What are some tips and techniques for runners? Do the gadgets matter? Or should you just free run and listen to your body? And then we get into more of almost like a sports psychology-type conversation. Really, how do you push past what's important to think about in exercise and fitness and different sort of coach speak that I thought was fantastic. It was a great conversation. Owen actually has a really cool device coming out that he's been working on. It's been his labor of love, he calls it, for years. So he'll come back on and talk about that in the near future, I'm sure, when that is launched. With no further ado, here is Owen Everard and myself. Owen, thank you so much for joining the Truly Fit podcast. Why don't you give my listeners and audience a little background on who exactly you are and what you do in the health and fitness industry day to day? Great, Steve. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, really appreciate it. Yeah, so um, my name's Owen Everard. I'm a chartered physiotherapist or physical therapist over in the States. Um, I'm a lecturer here in Ireland as well. I lecture on biomechanics and kind of sports medicine. Um, and then I'm a Pilates instructor as well. We have an online Pilates course called everardpilates.com, specializing in sports Pilates. So, uh, and then main kind of hobby i suppose at this stage would be running i have a i'm like a sub four minute miler uh sub uh 14 minutes so 13 58 for 5k and then 29.50 for 10k wow that's quite amazing we have a lot to talk about we're going to be talking mostly about running but i want to go back to some things you first said i also have a pilates background i'm not sure Brilliant. exactly yeah so i uh i'm a I was former i have never kept my certification up because i don't really work in facilities anymore but i was a a level two a peak Pilates, you know, reformer certified. So I've worked on reformers basically from the age of, let's say, 26 until 34. I'm now 37. So for the last three years, I haven't. I just sort of changed my career and lifestyle a little bit. But Pilates was very important to me uh, as I was learning the fitness industry because, number one, it really helped me with cueing. Uh, it does a better job than, let's say, your average just weightlifting certifications with understanding where the body is and how to move joints and full range of motion and really how to engage muscles and diaphragmatic breathing and those sorts of things. Does it also help with running? Do you feel like understanding Pilates and the basics of Pilates helps you as a runner or training to run? Yeah, definitely. I think I think the importance of Pilates is what you said there. Um in terms of gives that baseline that you know that good movement patterns and being aware of your body and like good technique essentially that can then be used in the gym 
uh, for more like, you know, work capacity or anatomical adaptation, you know, doing reps 10 to 15, where it helps with runners is um, running is very uh, passive injuries, like so plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis, it's a lot of load uh, through the body mm-hmm. and the muscles don't necessarily activate on their own with running. So it's where it really helps is it can help activate the muscles and that can help with two things. One, it reduces the injury risk because now the muscles are awake essentially or activated to help take some of the pressure off the ligaments, the joints and the tendons. And then secondly, it helps by a thing called running economy. If you're smoother because your core is more like, because uh, your core is say, stronger like or more stable, rather than moving in uh, left or right direction, you're all your energy is going in the one direction. So it's kind of like having the tires in your car um, pumped up to the to the optimal level. Everything is working efficiently. So it can help with that efficiency and help with that injury risk. Yeah, and I think we were going to get into this later, but it's it's hard for me not to just get into it now too. What I use Pilates for with, with some of my runners, I had a gentleman who was in his early 40s who was a, uh, a, a, a sprint triathlete. So for those who don't know what that is, it's, it's a shorter version of a, you know, a triathlon, but you're still running and biking and swimming. And he was unbelievable. He was in his early forties and he made like the, the, the U S national team for that age range, but he couldn't hold a plank for a minute because all he did was run and all he did was swim and all he did was bike. And he wasn't doing the things in the weight room to sort of like round out his body. In addition to that, you put someone on the reformer and you have them use some of the smaller muscles in their legs that the runners aren't typically using, right? If you put their feet up in the straps and have them make circles and do things, it was very challenging. And I think because runners are moving forward and backwards, right? Same same plane of motion. And then you get them getting their hips moving around in more of a circular fashion. It gives them, I guess you would call it a a more full body workout that they don't typically get when they're just running. Yeah, so true, Steve. You've hit the nail on the head. And even that control, like when you're running, you can run with any technique. So there's never that level of precision. And that's why I like Pilates. Say, if you have if you have the technique, strength training is unbelievable. But as you said, um, even from a coach's perspective, learning those cues and then from just generally like athletic development perspective, like developing strength appropriately, learning how to control the body is massive. So that's why I start generally with like sports Pilates because strength training would do the same, same and sometimes maybe even better idea for runners of, you know, really activating the muscles. But I find that a lot of people, they can go in with the kind of same uh, poor habits. Like, you know, maybe they, they arch their back a lot and they kind of go into this anterior pelvic tilt, which isn't really using the core. It's using the back muscles to stabilize so it's better to take it back a step, as you said, and and highlight where they're lacking control and where they're lacking, say, even range of motion at doing like circles with the hip or or being able to move through the hips while keeping this the spine stable. So I like I like um I like the Pilates for that kind of control, as you said, to highlight the efficiencies. And sometimes people are in the gym and they're People just assume they're doing things correctly, but they could be doing them completely incorrectly and causing more problems. So I do think it's really important to start with that baseline and then build up from there. Do you consider running high impact? I don't even know if it necessarily matters, but a lot of exercises are sort of put into three different categories. 
uh, no impact, low impact, and high impact. Maybe we consider plyometrics a high impact exercise. Maybe a low impact exercise would be something like a forward lunge where your foot is still hitting the ground, you're still pressing backwards. And then maybe a zero impact would be swimming or something, right? I don't know if that necessarily matters and maybe sprinting is different than jogging, but do you consider running a high impact exercise and is that a problem? No, it's not, it's not a problem, but there is like repetitive impacts. And like, look, any... With, with distance running, if we're talking about 5Ks, 10Ks above, it's like any any um, sport where one of the most frequent injuries is like stress fractures, it's going to be more to the high impact. And it's just that repetitive, you know, um, sometimes like high impact can be quite good. Like the Russians used to do a lot of jumps with their younger athletes because that like high impact can actually nearly stimulate the... the uh, like stimulate the bone growth it's nearly like people you know sometimes if you have if you have someone you just don't get on with at all and they're very like in your face you kind of recognize to do something like that and the body can the same can adapt to that stress because it's so obvious where if you have someone who just is like a little bit of a grind uh you know you don't realize that they're just draining your energy and it's the same sometimes with running the impacts are smaller but because there's so many of them um, it can lead to it can lead to issues. So I would say kind of repetitive medium impact, and that can be an issue because it's not it's not enough to um, to really stimulate the bone growth, but it's enough to kind of wear it down, and that's where we get these stress stress fractures, or as you said, the the tendons get overloaded, the ligaments or the joints get overloaded. Yeah, such a great point to say it's repetitive impact, and maybe that is actually more damaging than high impact, right? Doing five jump squats as opposed to running 13 miles, right? So like maybe you're jogging slowly at a 10 minute mile pace running 13 miles, but you have constant competitive impact. It's really, uh, you know, the analogy that I make, I'm someone who's a martial artist. In the UFC, they have really small gloves. So if they're four ounce gloves, so when you hit you, when they, when you get hit in the face, you have a really high likelihood of getting knocked out, right? Much, much, many more knockouts in the UFC than in boxing. Now, the people think that's terrible. They go, oh my God, this guy got knocked out. What they don't understand is a knockout is your brain's way of telling you, oh, it's time to shut down. This isn't good. In a boxing glove with 14 ounce gloves, you might get hit 400 times in a boxing match and never go out. And that constant shaking of the brain is way worse for you than getting knocked out long term. We know that now. So I like how you said the repetitive hit of your heel hitting the ground and these strikes could potentially be more damaging than just, let's, let's say, a few jump squats. So we don't need to just say high impact or low impact. It's what is this doing long term and is it repetitive? That's such a great analogy. I, that is the perfect analogy in that. That like, is it better to get hit by that smaller glove? Because if you do five jumps, provided you have a base, uh, it can be enough to stimulate. Like, because the as long as you don't injure yourself doing the jump and you'll probably be a bit stiff and sore afterwards. That can stimulate um, better better changes. You know, one thing I, I always recommend people to do is skipping, like jumping rope. Because one, what's great about a jumping rope is that it's a self-limiting exercise. If you can't do it correctly, you just keep hitting the rope. So mm. one, allows you to gradually um, increase. But two, it's like those kind of impacts are a bit more deliberate. They're higher than uh, your normal jog. You have to have more of a lift off the ground and it can really stiffen the arch and kind of cause the adaptations that we want to see so as you said it's it's that 
that's a great analogy, I think, of the boxing versus the UFC. Sometimes we're worried about these one-time events, which we, we do have to be careful with, sure. but it's the longer just tipping at it can be the bigger issue. Biomechanically, can everybody run? A hundred different people come to Owen and they say, hey, I want you to be my running coach. I want you to train me a little bit in Pilates and I want to start to learn how to run properly. My goal is to run a 5K and they're all different body types. And let's say they're ages uh, 15 to 55. Is there is there some people who you're just going to say, hey, listen, I just don't think running is for you, whether it's a weight issue or a biomechanical issue structurally, or do you think that there's some way that you can get them to function as a runner? Um, most people I would say, okay, but as you said, maybe if you're very like overweight, um, haven't ran ever, or maybe have like, say, chronic calf issues or anytime you go running. Um, so I, it's hard to give a, a definitive there. If someone sure. came who had, was overweight, hadn't ran in a number of years because of calf issues was, was like obese. Now I think it'd be better to maybe go low impact, like swimming, cycling, and then introducing little bits of running and gradually progress that. Um, even for people who aren't used to it, like some people always want to do marathons, um, but they don't have that base level of conditioning. Now, look, I wouldn't recommend that, but if they do, if I have people who just want to get around it for some reason, a lot of times, if they do like their like two workout runs in a week, their long run, which should be a long run, will be a long cycle. You know, so we're we're changing, you're kind of taking things out. So you might only be running two, three times a week because your body just won't be able to sustain that kind of longer running. So we'll go into cycling for that person. But in general, um, can anyone improve? Yeah, generally, like we're built for running or walking anyway. But again, you need to be, you know, if you haven't run in a while, maybe one of those couch to 5Ks are a great start, um, including cross-training in the program. So you're losing weight, you're allowing like, adequate recovery time and then gradually over time see can you build up the running that you're doing the other thing is will we all run the same no uh, is that an issue i don't think so too often too often we're always i don't know what it is about humans we're all looking for the the quick fix you know like or if i you know i want to get better at my 5k i'll tell you a good thing i had a friend who's now he won't mind me saying because i was slagging him big time um he's a uh high school friend and we just met for a coffee he's a doctor and i would get on great and we were just chatting he's like asking me about running he's got two two kids and he's busy so he's only he's only going running once every two weeks now there was a lot he was doing wrong the first was he when he was going out he was trying to just run as hard as he could for 5k that's just and you see that a lot with with amateurs they just they're going way too hard on that run so uh what i asked him to do was you know, maybe go easier, like jog for a little bit and then do certain little sessions or workouts and then come home. It's easier long, easier overall and uh, it's more enjoyable rather than go out as hard as you can or pick it up and dying and every day it's a workout. Second though, he was asking me about like breathing techniques. He had been listening to the Joe Rogan about if I breathe this way with a double breath or running techniques, should I be on my toes? I'm like, dude, you're running once every two weeks. There's no technique, there's no breathing. There's just like, you need to get out more regularly for running. <laughs> so too often people are like, what will I do for my running stride to improve my running? And where the actual answer is, you need to train better. You need to then give yourself the building blocks so you don't get injured and your body will figure out the actual 
running technique stride element. Yeah, that's really funny. It actually, I, I was laughing also because it reminds me of uh, myself and a lot of other people with golf. It's like, when's the last time you played? Like three months ago, but, but I've been watching YouTube videos on how to fix my swing. It's like, well, if you went out and played and hit some balls, you would probably have a better chance of fixing your swing rather than just watching a video for that secret tip to, yeah, to help exactly. everything Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can spend years looking for this. Like, like there's, as you said, if you look at the top golfers, it's it's just repetitive actions. Do they, and they don't all swing the same. Yes, there's like, there's basics and things you can do, but like, and golf is actually way more technical than running. Do you know what I mean? So there is yeah. things you can get in there, but again, even like Bob Atara, um, he's like one of the main like psychologists slash swing coaches, say for Paula Carrington. Um, my boss would have worked like he was his strength and conditioning coach for Paula Carrington. But like his advice always was like, just look down the course. Um, don't worry about your tech. Like he was like, just you've been practicing. If you're swinging a lot, just look down and hit the ball. And don't overthink the actual, because your subconscious is actually working things out way more than your conscious. And if you do it consciously, you actually can get yourself more into trouble. Yeah, and most sports, because the ball is moving, people don't have that problem, right? So let's say in a sport like, you know, football or soccer, European football, American soccer, when someone is kicking you the ball and through, let's say, a through pass and you're ready to score that goal, you're not breaking the motion down. You're not saying, I need to plant my left foot here. I need to swing my right foot here. I need to make sure I make contact with this part of my foot. You're just doing it, right? Because the ball is moving and you're acting in like sort of subconsciously. In American football, when you're being chased down by a defender and you're a quarterback, you're rolling out and you're not thinking about how you're holding the ball and how you're releasing it. You're just throwing it. But in golf, because the ball's not moving, you're overanalyzing what is going on. And that's what in, in running... So that, that sort of leads to my next question. You, of course, you can talk about the golf too, but it leads to my next question of running. For me, I've never thought about my stride. I'm not a big runner. Some days I'll go out and run one mile as fast as I can. Some days I'll just jog three miles. I've never thought about my stride, but I hear people talk about, oh, to be a better runner, you have to change your stride and perfect your stride and slow your stride down and use all these different tempos and gadgets. What are your thoughts on that? Is that important? No, 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 you're doing it right. There's no... the like first thing on the golf that i find interesting is like you know when like penalty shootouts in like european football um or even like golf or any like close skill what they found was beginners focus on each step like what where to put their foot and like that's how you learn and as you become an expert you just you you then focus externally on what you're meant to do and you can just process. But in high-stress environments, like, say, the last kick of an American football game or, like, a, a big golf shot when you have it on. Or what a penalty can in the Yeah, what can happen in the brain is you revert. So you actually then start thinking, okay, I just need to do this correctly. And by doing that, by going through the steps, you actually go back to, like, a beginner skill level because you're, you're processing it like a beginner. Rather than just going, like, I always just like in free play I just hit it or if you just normally you would just like hit it to where you wanted to go and it's the same with running it's like there's loads of different running strides I think this became a big thing a while ago it's kind of died down now but people worry about like on their toes or head steady that you need just building blocks you don't you should never be ever thinking about how you're running all you should be thinking about is like looking down into the way you're going um I always like a couple of things I would do is like try to imagine if someone was watching me like externally it's like do I look smooth easy relaxed that's all I always say to myself smooth easy relaxed 
some external cues you can do is like imagine you were running on a cloud you know so you will be just naturally light but the less the less like mechanically you're going into it like you've been running or you've been walking or running since you're about like two years old you know walking since one so you know your body's figuring this out for us the reason why people can run poorly sometimes is we don't have the mobility we don't have like the basic activation so our knees are buckling in or so we just need to work on the strength of muscles and then the last thing is like motor control so you can do like drills can be great like high knee drills strides after a run just so you get used to like what it's like to run quicker and then that will naturally transfer into your running yeah that makes perfect sense you know and, and i have heard I don't know if it was a physical therapist or a runner's coach, but basically I was working with someone. She was in, let's say, her mid-40s, and she was trying to run her first 10K. She was bigger. Not big by any means, but just she was six foot, which is pretty tall for a female. Six foot, probably in the range of maybe 165, 170 pounds. And they kept telling her that her stride was way too big and that she was going to have knee issues because of this long term. So she used this gadget that basically shortened her stride. And it uh, basically, I guess it was like a sound. And every time your foot hit, maybe it sort of synced with the sound, like a, what do they call it? Like a metronome almost, right? When you're playing a guitar. And I'm not sure if it was successful ever for her in the long run. She didn't have any issues, but she was just trying to avoid issues. She was doing this as like a, you know, preemptively to make sure during this running stint that she didn't get it. But to me, it sounded like, uh, a bunch of things that just were added in that didn't need to be added in. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's good to have your take on it. Someone who is a lifelong runner and helps people run to say, you know, sometimes these gadgets are a little bit too much. We just need to listen to our bodies. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, you know, um, like I, there is a thing of a cadence is best if it's like 180, but there's things you could do. Like maybe she could do a couple of like, you know, hill sprints or if she wanted to do that as like a little drill, but just when she's running, like, again, like, like this, this lady's probably just getting ready for fitness. She's like, she's training maybe four times, what, five times a week max. It's like, it's just, it's just excessive, do you know? It, and it's not really needed. So it's kind of gone a little bit more, like, less than it used to be. But yeah, for a while, there was a massive trend on how to run. And I, I just think it really, it, it so underestimates the power of the subconscious and the power of evolution to naturally do what we're meant to do you know um i don't think you have to consciously think about it i think your body generally if it's not running in a certain way it there's for a reason like i'll give an example um when i was when i was a junior we would have gone to the european competitions and it just so happened that the two guys who would be running against me at my age because ireland is small um one of them was the european champion and the second guy was silver, which was just like, you know, unbelievable for us, you know, beating all like Spanish. But like the guy who was second, he never even won provincial titles. He never won any real event because the other guy would beat him all the way up to the European mm -hmm. level. So the guy who won would just, was really just naturally light on his feet. Like he just was really like a, a toe striker. He had a beautiful stride. The other guy more was like on his heel. So what he tried to do was change his stride to match what the other guy looked like so he just forced himself to like run on his toes all the time and he did it for like a year or two and then at by 21 he had to have like double achilles tendon surgery and never really ran again because there's a reason your body's if, if it was a if there's an ideal way for you to run you're 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 like you're 
body wants to be the most efficient. It doesn't want yeah. to stress itself. So it will work out what's best for you. You know, if you have all the building blocks, if you're actually tired from work or you don't have, you have those muscles have got weak or inactivated, like inactive, yes, they need to be switched on. Yes, you can do drills, but after that, leave it because you're going to get yourself most times into more trouble doing that, I think, than, than fixing issues. Yeah, I, I echo those thoughts. And I, you know, just to go back to what we said before, there's a lot of people who train like the pros who don't need to, right? So it's like, it's, it's the golfer who's trying to work on the flop shot, but he's a 20 handicap. It's the runner who's trying to, you know, get that, I forget what you just call the cadence, exactly perfect. But, you know, they run a, a 10 minute mile. It's like, well, you know, you're, you're not there yet. You don't need those things. You need to spend the time running and just getting better. And don't worry about all these things, these little 1% things to get you better that the Olympians are worried about. You, you, you just need to get out there that's a hundred you couldn't put it better like that like that's what i'm saying even my friend he's running every two weeks what do i do it's like you can't there's nothing you're going to do running once every two weeks that's going to work like your your thing is trying the best thing you could do is run once every week that's double you know double it up and then try double that up again you know so it's so true it's like all the time people are doing this and maybe then they're not doing two workouts in a week they're not structuring their training correctly and there's like a million things they should be getting to before this. So we talked about how Pilates can be very helpful for runners. We both agree with that. We both worked that, uh, in, in a Pilates background to help runners. What are some maybe strength training exercises that you see runners do that you don't think are helpful or that you think that maybe they believe are helpful and they're doing them, but they could replace it with something else? Now, I know this is a, oh, this is a loaded long question. I will say this, and I'm sure you agree with this. All exercise is good exercise. So I'm not, uh, we don't need to say that this thing is bad, but what could they replace it with that could be better? That is such a good question, Mike, or Steve, sorry. Um, that is such a good question because I literally had a, an answer loaded that I get asked, like, what's the best exercise? But yeah, what's the, what's the one to avoid? Uh, every exercise is good, as you said. I feel, though, if I had to get rid of one, it would probably be the deadlift just because the technique is terrible for a lot of people. It's like what we were talking about with the golfer or the thing. We hear like, you know, um, oh, this is a good, which is a great exercise when done correctly. But a lot of people are doing that incorrectly and kind of hurting themselves. So you want to just be careful with it. I think, I think that one, and I would probably replace it with like a single leg deadlift. So you're standing on one leg bring your leg back and as soon as the back leg stops lifting you stop lowering your body it's just a, it's it's hitting the same thing it's uh like one leg one legged versus two and it's easier to control pushing your hips back people that hinge action people are can really struggle with um it's something i really try teaching the plates and getting on your feet but it's something that people can struggle with i'm working on this product called the back aware belts to give people that awareness because like in the gym, that's the one exercise I see, that deadlift, where people are just rounding at their back or moving at their back a lot. The second thing I would say is um, make the exercise easier. So say for a plank, you should be able to kind of like arch your back, round your back. So like moving the pelvis and then to find the middle. And if you can't do that, drop back down, like you know, drop to your knees can you move your pelvis and then find the middle and then hold it there? I, another one I think is people maybe like going, doing like plank, um, 
for a longer time or in a poor position and not realize not having that control you know so i think it's more important to make the exercise easier and feel like i'm confident doing this than it is doing something harder but like not doing it correctly yeah that's great information and i think you know as we get older one of the goals it, it doesn't seem to ever be the goal but it should be to be a better form weightlifter and exerciser not necessarily lift more weight so the goal for most people, let's say, we'll just take the deadlift, is that, oh, last year I was at 345. This year I want to deadlift 385. You never hear someone say, last year I was deadlifting in this particular way. I want to make sure that I, I really have good pelvic control and that I'm engaging the proper muscles and that I'm pushing out on my feet and that I'm not rounding my back and that I'm not interior tilting, that I feel my core and I'm, and I'm bracing properly. They don't try to get better. They just try to add more weight, and eventually that leads to injury, right? If your only goal is to go to more weight, there's going to be a weight in which there's a diminishing returns. You're not going to be able to hit it, and you're going to get hurt most likely. So I think it is important, and I know you work with some older people as well, that you know, especially as we get older, the goal should be to be a better, more efficient exerciser or runner, not necessarily add weight. Yeah, 100%. And even when you're younger, because you'll know if you have any injuries like this like i feel like i'm a good physio um but the the sad thing is is like once you haven't once you have an injury you're kind of managing that like so i have like my right hip's been sore my left like i've gone over badly in my left ankle my left knee can get sore now i'm not i have no pain at the moment but i know if like they're always now a little bit weaker than the other areas so if you do stuff like if you hurt your back younger yes you can fix it but you'll always have to just manage that so it's a thing of as you said Alvar Mayle he won the NFL and the NBA as a strength and conditioning coach he is that hierarchy where it's like get good movement first then work on like work capacity or anatomical adaptation get your body adapted which would be like if you're doing like say hinging actions for a deadlift you're doing like 15 reps uh three sets short recovery with that good form um you know if you're doing like inverse row underneath a bar pulling your chest up keeping the core engaged but you're doing a lot more reps and with that then you're going to do less weight but what that's doing is it's it's adapting the tendons the it's getting the core stronger it's allowing like the architecture of your body to be built to um allow you then to build strength which then is the next level but you don't want to go for that max strength without that underpinning like work capacity, the ability to tolerate the load or without the movement base underneath that. Because, and that's sadly, sometimes people can go, okay, well, I started at this weight and then I move on. And they're like forgetting the other two levels that need to precede that to make sure that you're developing um, effectively. Yeah, it's a great point with the movement base. And I'll just add to that. There's another component, which is the, so the mental component, right? So we have the neurons, the efferent, afferent neurons that are firing and the proprioception. So it's not just even like the, the, the musculoskeletal system. It's the ability for your brain to sort of process in space where your body is. Let's just take a simple technique like a dumbbell chest press. Well, if you watch me do a dumbbell chest press, you'll notice that I've been doing them basically my entire life or half of my life. Somebody else you might not see that, right? They're going to yeah. be shaking a little bit. Their arms aren't at the right angle. I can close my eyes and do it with perfect form because I'm not looking at what I'm doing. I feel my body in space. My brain and my muscles 
are, are, are coordinating with one another to know where I'm pushing. And I think like you just said, unless you're doing hundreds and hundreds of repetitions of these things with a little bit of load prior to putting on load, you're not going to be in a, let's call it a, uh, a, an advantageous position to avoid injury and you're more likely to get hurt. Yeah, exactly. Like there's three things that cause someone to move poorly or have poor technique. The first is like mobility, like the joint doesn't move well or a flexibility issue. The second reason is like, as we talked before, like they physically can't like switch on the core correctly or engage the glutes or get the shoulders, the shoulder blades in the right position. Like they just, those muscles aren't working. And then the third is what we call motor control. And that's the technique that you're talking about, Steve. That's the idea of like just knowing having that awareness of your body in space to allow you to do that and once you have the movement then you need time just to like get your tendons and your joints used to those movements and then you can start building strength it's like look we're all we're always we're looking for little shortcuts and to see i found like i run my best when i'm feeling like generally strong i'm feeling flexible and i'm aerobically fit i seem to run way better than when i just tend to run be aerobically fit but feeling stiff and sore or not not as strong as I want to be when I'm overall feeling like generally like well-rounded I run my best that's when I seem to run my best I feel I can do anything this is a question specifically about you so you don't have to give this advice as if it's for someone else I just want to know what goes through your mind personally let's go ahead and say you're not training for something and you're just going out on a run and you are 90 seconds in and you're like, mm, I'm just not feeling it today. I'm a little sluggish. My legs feel heavy. And your goal was to, let's say, run, I don't know, seven miles. You're like, mm, I don't think this is going to happen today. Do you just not do it? Do you still tell yourself, screw it, Owen, you're a, you're a lifelong runner. You're going to get to the seven miles. What, what is, how, how do you sort of adapt and change in those situations? Do you know, like... Uh like you're the same Steve I can see by you that you work out do you know it's like things become such a habit that it wouldn't that scenario just wouldn't happen do you know what I mean if if I was sick it would probably no it wouldn't like even if what would happen there is maybe I would it would never be like 90 seconds in I've had it maybe two or three times in my life and I've had like the flu I had COVID (laughs) that was the second time it happened where I was 20 minutes in and you know when you're dying like I was like I've never like I I was never felt bad so I just went home then and didn't run for probably two weeks I was just in bits but in terms of like just feeling stiff or sore um no I never like I just I would just stay running like I would just do the time that was meant to now you might I, I might cheat at the end of some runs if I was busy like so say if I was going to do 70 minutes now that it's more just for general fitness um I might stop at like 65 if I got to the car or 60, but do we never have, it's just, it's so ingrained. Like once you get, you get used to it, I, I, it, it just would never happen. It just, it wouldn't even be, um, a thing. I heard a guy talk about this one time and I haven't articulated this, so I don't know how it'll come out where like, if you give yourself sometimes like a slight option, um, so he was talking about like Gatorade versus like, um, like, like uh car fluid like so like the one that you put in for your 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 wipers the, yeah, yeah, yeah. wipers yeah. yeah 
like you know 100% you cannot drink wiper fluid like you'll you'll get poison yourself so there's never even like you know if it's like if the answer is 100% you you don't even ever question is this the thing I can do so he's exactly. like where you, with the greater rate you're like oh well maybe on special occasions or this or that no. it's like that if, if the answer is zero it'll never come up so no that's never happened it's never it's never that I'm like I'm not feeling this run I'll go home that's never happened because I just you just after a while it just doesn't happen I think the key thing to do is start writing it in and writing down your training when you're going to do it. I think the thing that most people struggle with is, I see it with the plat is we give a free trial to people. I'm not joking, Steve. Like to get one third of people even to try the free trial, like to try the exercise, the class, they've signed up, they want to do it, but it's just like they haven't set a time to do it. So a week just flies by. And that can be with all training. So I think if you're new to training, it's just, you need a time. Like I have all my training always written down so I know what I'm doing. And then it's just easier, like it's always planned. So you're kind of out the door. And then once I get out the door, I think most people are like that. I think most people will just grind it out. I think what, where they won't do it is get out the door. They'll be like, I'm feeling stiff and sore or I'm really wrecked today. I won't go out, I'll go tomorrow. I think once you're out, for me personally, it's never been an issue. I know you just kind of grind through a run. I wouldn't run hard or anything, but um, I would always do it. That was meant to be a short answer. I know we went. No, no, it. and <laughs> you know that it reminds me of. I had a conversation with a uh, Dr. Prologo, who is a obesity medicine specialist on my podcast, and he wrote a book called The Catching Point. And what he talks about is, you know, for someone who is let's say obese, they haven't got to that aha moment or that catching point. And that's what you just described. You've done it so many times, this, you getting out, getting out of bed, putting on your running shoes and going out the door, whether it is raining out, it's a little bit colder than you anticipated, whether maybe your ankles were a little bit stiffer from the day before, whatever it is, you've, you've done it so many times that it's really not that difficult for you, right? So like you, you completing an eight mile run, you don't like, it's not like you come home and brag to people. Right? This is just nothing for you at this point, right? You, you've done it so many times that you're past that catching point, that aha moment. But we forget, people like you and me, how difficult it is for people who are starting up, right? So that person who hasn't done that yet, they're going to have to put the time in and force themselves to do it. And I think really what, what where some fitness professionals uh, miss out on in having honest conversations with their clients is, yeah, you got to put some hard work in, but it gets easier, this gets easier. All of this gets easier. At some point, you're, you're going to, not only is this easy, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to need it. It's cathartic. You're going to love doing it. You're going to look forward to doing this. You're not going to force yourself to write down the time on your calendar you're going to be running. It's the first thing you're going to write down and you're going to push everything else to the side and you're going to, you're going to fall in love with it. You just have to get past that catching point. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's imperative that we, people like us, explain that to our clients who are nervous about taking that first step out the door. That's so funny. I literally was helping this guy on a couch to 5K thing. He just wanted me to introduce it um, just with my running background. And I literally said the same thing to those people. Um, I used the analogy of like a rocket. If you think a rocket, it has to use so much energy to break the atmosphere. Mm. And then when it's out of the atmosphere, it's easier because um, so often we can all emphasize the 
the benefits of exercise. And what can happen is someone's two, three weeks in and they're like, I'm not, I'm not feeling, I'm feeling, oh, they said I'd have more energy. I'm feeling really tired because it's a new energy expense. They said I'd feel like, you know, better in myself. I'm really stiff and sore and my muscles are sore. So yeah, I would totally, I would, and that's what I said to him. I was like, guys, you're going to feel like crap for the first three weeks of this. But as it goes over time and it's nearly imperceptible, you'll be like, oh, I'm actually feeling a lot better or you know, I'm sleeping better because I'm exercising and stuff. So yeah, I, I can totally agree with you. That's so funny. Yeah, it's a, it's a cultural problem, at least, you know, in, in America. And I'm sure it expands out to where you are too, where you have these like influencers, like the Instagram influencers and people who are like very braggadocious about what they do. They're like, oh, I wake up at 5 a.m. And then I have a protein shake and I go to the gym and then I do that. And then I drive my kids to here and I do this, and do this. It's like, yeah, so do I. But like, it's not really that difficult because I've been doing it forever. And it's just, it's something I like to do. I choose to do it. I don't have to do it. Like this is, this helps me. I'm a better person. I feel more lucid, clear of mind. I feel more fit. I can eat what I want if I'm working out. Like these are, this, these are all benefits. And people describe them as if they're like, I don't know, like like dig like digging holes all day long for no money. It's like no, it, w- what you're doing is at this point is just like when Owen goes out and run. It's just another day, and I think we have to you know continue like you said. I love that rocket ship. That's that, like the the imagery of the rocket, right? Taking so much energy and all the fire coming out of it to get up, and then once it breaks the atmosphere, it's literally just floating in gravity. That's how we are. We're we're just floating in gravity once you put the hard work in. Yeah, big time. And I think sometimes with the influencers as well and with us all, we can kind of get um, because people always ask me, like, what's the best time to stretch or what's the best time to run or what's the best time to exercise? And I can give answers. But a lot of times my answer is um, whenever you can do it, you know, like I think sometimes we're looking at people on Instagram or, you know, and they're like, as you said, getting up a half five and they're like, I'm not getting up half five. Okay, well, that like just whenever you can do it. The other thing as well, just remember, sometimes you can look at even the times or uh, people and think, oh, well, what's the point? I'll never look like that. And it's like, yeah, but you can be kind of skewed by that because remember, there's two billion people on Instagram. So like, like 50 years ago, you would be comparing yourself to other people in your, your town and thinking, yeah, like I'm in good shape compared to that person or yeah, I'm okay here and I'm going to stay exercising. Now you're, you're comparing yourself to the top like five percent probably of people in out of two billion i I couldn't even work out the numbers on that like of like whatever hundred million you have to be better than to be to have that type of body so you know i I think two things i think just do it whenever you can and then just remember that if they have these routines or whatever that you're looking at maybe the top x routine in of two billion people like that's probably not normal for most people yeah, and with the times, sometimes what that does is create a, another, what, what we call in the business world, a barrier to entry. Because if I tell you, oh, the best time is 5 a.m., you're like, well, can't do it at 5 a.m. because I have X, Y, and Z. Well, now you don't have to run. Yeah, so exactly. That's you're exactly creating another, You're creating another barrier to entry. The, be, the best thing to say when, when, when a client asks me that, I, I say, why? Like, why? like, why do you want to know this? And then they have to think about this. They're like, well, I'm deciding between you know, if I should wake up early or if I should do it when I get home from work. And I say, well, try both, you know, 
Try try a week at 5 a.m. and then try a week at 6 p.m. See what works better for you. But don't like don't try to wiggle your way out of this. <laughs> There's you'll you'll find a time. Like it yeah, doesn't really 100%. it doesn't necessarily matter. It's like and you know and and like you said, it's that's such a hard question to to answer because we're all so different, right? My wife cannot work out in the morning, so she makes it a point to work out at night. I can't work out at night, so I make it a point to work out in the morning. And it's it's no workout is more effective or less effective. It's just what what suits us best given our predispositions for you know how how we go about our day so yeah yeah spot on well this was a fantastic conversation why don't you give my audience and listeners some insights into where they can find you oh and whether maybe they want to reach out to you personally they have some questions about what you do in the running world and the pilates world and exercise science and things of that nature or you know maybe if they're personal trainers or maybe there's someone who wants to work with you in a program so and anywhere in which people can find you yeah, thanks a million, Steve. I really enjoyed this. This is really, really enjoyable. Um, yeah, everardpilates.com forward slash book. So E-V-E-R-A-R-D-P-I-L-A-T-E-S.com forward slash book. I have a free book there called How to Get to the Line in the Best Shape Possible. So it just gives like a lot of articles I've done. I'm working on this other project called the thebackawarebelt.com. It's a wearable technology that gives you instant feedback on your back position. It's not 100% ready yet, but... Uh, I just want to start maybe telling people about that because I've been working on this for like three years and um, I need to start hopefully seeing people seeing it and seeing what they think. So yeah, Steve, I really enjoy this. Um, thanks a million. Well, I promise you once that is fully launched, we'll come back on. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that product and, and how exactly it works. Uh, thank you so much for joining the Truly Fit Podcast. Thanks so much. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Uh, I'd love to do that, Steve, because uh, yeah, I have a lot of trials and tribulations on that project. It's been interesting, but it's... Uh, it's a time and money suck as well so (laughs) labor of love (laughs) we'll chat soon if you'd like to watch the monday interviews instead of just listen please go to youtube and subscribe truly fit app you can also follow us on instagram for updates also truly fit app and feel free to email me at any time with questions or suggestions social at trulyfit.app